Father, we just thank you as we're beginning this amazing week. Amazing week. We call it Passion Week. But it's really the week of new beginnings. It's a time that the winter season comes to an end. And a new life springs forth. Not like a desert, not like tree that bears no leaves or flowers that bears no buds but father new life springing forth like rivers of living water so today Lord as we kick this time off we just we just want to exalt you and have gratitude for you and thank you for the finished work that's been done for us so we can come out of our winter season live in your springtime in your time of ever life evermore in Jesus mighty name everyone said come on give the Lord a shout of praise come on he's worthy he's worthy you can be seated man I tell you I just uh I just been spending time with the Lord I'm still pretty loud or echoey I don't know if it's up here I don't know if it's out there but help a brother out amen I'm trying to calm down because I got so much. Steph was like, Steph was like, honey, honey, come out of your office. Come out, come out, come out, come out here and see the family for a few minutes. I, I've just been taken away by the Lord because this is not just another Easter. This is not just another time that we focus, oh, it's Palm Sunday, and then we go into, you know, Good Friday, and then we have Easter, and and I know some people are heading out for spring break with your families. But the Holy Spirit just really brought me into a place of just saying, it's time. It's time to go to the next level. It's time for the next season. And we're already in it, but so many times we're in seasons that are so God. But the problem is we can't recognize them. We can't see them. We can't identify them. And once we come into Palm Sunday and it's a, a time that we celebrate Jesus and his triumphant entry into Jerusalem, man, I began to think about Jerusalem. You know, Jerusalem is the city of God. Jerusalem is the city of David. And when I think about it, how amazing it is, and, and it's built on the Mount of Moriah. So you come into Jerusalem, and, and I've been there many times, at least five, six times, and came up on Jerusalem a dozen or more times, stayed there at least four times. And as you come up, it's this beautiful city. As you're coming up from the lower parts, you can see it as you're coming up through the winding roads. And years ago, they'd let you go up the old Jericho Road up around the city, and you could really see what it was all about. But as I think about that city on the hill, then I realize it's built on Mount Moriah. And Mount Moriah and all around the city of Jerusalem is the land of Moriah. Now the word Moriah, you hear it a lot in the Old Testament stuff. The word Moriah is made up of two Hebrew words. Get this. The first word means to be seen, to be visible, or to be revealed. The second word means 
the name of God. So whenever we think of Jesus coming into Jerusalem, he's coming into his daddy's city. He's coming into his daddy's house. He's coming into the city of God, where the name of God is, where God is revealed. And the people there don't even have a clue of what's getting ready to take place. They, they don't even have a clue of what the revealing is going to happen. For over a thousand years, they've been having their Passover week. This is the kickoff of their Passover week. And, and, and the people of children of Israel come from all the different countries and lands to Jerusalem, to God's city, to God's house for this week, for this celebration. And as we look at it, we think of the city of Moriah, and we think that it's the land of revelation. And just as the people were expecting to have a week-long party, and it was going to be so amazing, and everybody was so pumped and jacked about it, they didn't have a clue that it was the Messiah that they've been waiting on for thousands of years now is coming and he's going to be riding down the street on a donkey. And not only that, he's going to reveal himself, but they won't see him. You see, I think the most important thing about Passion Week, about Holy Week, is that we see him. I think it's more important than anything else that we get a revelation of him we never had before. That there's another level of revealing of the Father. There's another uncovering of the Father. Because remember, like I've been telling you, faith for years is, is knowing and trusting God. But, and also faith is what? Faith is what? Knowing. It, faith is trusting God, but knowing His heart. Knowing His personality. Knowing His person. You see, the children of Israel knew the acts of God. They saw him open the Red Sea, man. They, they saw him, you know, heal. They saw him deliver. But, but get this, they knew his acts, but they didn't know his nature. And my faith for you and everyone watching today on, on, on social media, my faith for you is that during this week, it becomes truly a week of passion. That during this week, by the end of it, on Resurrection Sunday, next Sunday, that there is such a revealing of the Father to you that it takes you to a total another hemisphere in your relationship, your intimacy, your knowing of Him, and your faith and trust and hope in Him. You see, whenever we begin to understand that this is the place that God revealed himself to his children and to the world, everyone and all the nationalities and different religions and backgrounds that were in Jerusalem during this great feast of the Passover. And I think what happens with us so many times as, as Christians, it just becomes another year. Oh, it's cool. Thank you, Lord. It, it was good. And Oh, yeah, I need to listen to more worship music this week. And Maybe I'll fast a little bit, and maybe I, but are we truly getting the full revelation, the full revealing, the arm, the power, the authority of the Lamb 
God. See, as we look at Luke, you don't have to go to Luke 19, but Luke 19 verse 41, it talks about when Jesus had came into the city on this day in Jerusalem, that he looked over the city and that he weeps. And he said, you know, if I would have taken you like little chicks, like a hen with her little chicks, I would have brought you in to me, but you didn't see me. I just pray that we don't live a life where we don't see him. I just pray that we, we keep ourselves sensitive, just like Rachel's testimony, her story of talking about witnessing to a friend. You see, someday she's going to be giving you a story of amazing encounter with God that done amazing things with an amazing anointed young lady with a calling on her life. But what I love today, you got to see her give her story about how God has wrecked her life to where she is going to step out and take a risk and bring someone to the house of God. Understanding the significance and the importance of this week and the importance of Resurrection Sunday. You see, really, Sunday, Easter Sunday, is the day of first fruits. That's the month of Nisan. We, we've entered in on Palm Sunday, you enter into the month of Nisan in the Hebrew calendar. And when you move into that, it's the month of new beginnings. And Easter, Resurrection Sunday, represents what well, that represents the first calendar year, the first calendar month of the year for those in the Jewish faith that go by the Hebrew calendar. It's the day that we give our best first fruits. It's the day that if you've never tithed and never had faith for it, that's the day to start. It's the day that if you, if you, you just don't have the confidence to give to God, that's the day you step it up. It's the day, man, that if, if you need to commit more to prayer, you start this week, but then you offer it up and begin to make a habit and a commitment on that day as you give your first fruits to your first love forever. Look at me in Matthew 21. We'll begin to read this passage of Jesus coming in to Jerusalem. Verse 1. Matthew's gospel, chapter 1, verse 20, uh, chapter 21, verse 1. It said, Now when they had drew near to Jerusalem, the city of God, right? Sitting on Mount Moriah, it came to Bethpage, chapter 21. And when they came near Jerusalem and they came to Bethpage, at the Mount of Olives. The Mount of Olives, I'll talk about it in a minute. That's where the Garden of Gethsemane is. Gethsemane, Gethsemane, I always mess that up. It said, and then Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go into the village opposite of you and immediately you will find a donkey tied to a coat with her. Loose them, bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, say, the Lord has need of them. And immediately, he will send them. What you know? How did I was like, wow! How things were set up by God that Jesus knew the Father had already told him where the coat was, and who and to send and go after it, and that what to say if they didn't give it to his disciples. I mean, man, it just blows me away how God doesn't control and manipulate us, but He empowers and directs us. 
You see, what, what we focus on, Tony, so much in life is what we're coming into. Man, I'm coming into my destiny. I'm coming into my calling. I'm coming into my career. I'm coming into my family. I'm coming into this great relationship. I'm coming into the best years of my life and the best years of my health. But see, that really is not the most important time. The most important event in your life is not the day you came into something. The most important event is the day you exit something. Because you can't come in unless you came out. You, you can't go to unless you leave from. And I think we give way too much credit, Todd, Michael, Todd. We give way too much credit, what? For the next thing. We give way too much credit and we build our expectancy up and we're trying to stir our faith up to move into a new relationship with God, to move into a new financial situation, new, new whatever, new career, new ministry. And we forget the most important event of all you can't move into unless you leave behind or exit from. Think about it with, the, with Moses, with Abraham even. What did Abraham have to do? God didn't call him to a place until he told him to leave a place. You see, we don't give ourselves enough credit when we give up certain sins that hold us back. We, we don't give ourselves enough credit when we walk out of relationships that are harmful to us. We don't give ourselves enough credit when we abstain from, from premarital sex and maybe you blow it from time to time, but, but you can't build your faith because you don't, Repent, and then you don't give yourself credit for what you have done and the decision you have made to come out. You see, you gotta, yeah, it's good to focus on the good things of God, but it's also good to celebrate the things that you have already done through the power of God. Never underestimate pushing down that sin that so easily beset you. Never underestimate the new habits you have now that you're not coveting and you're not doing all the things you used to do and taking the things you used to take and hanging out and doing. Now you're just like, well, you know, God, if I could just get a little more income and Lord, if you could just get my children on track. And just think, man, you may not even be alive today if you hadn't exited before. We, we, we forget that this was that. Here was there. Where, where you're at right now, Josh, you know, did you know when you were 12 that you would be sitting in the house of God? Did you know when you were 12 that this past week you would do the going home celebration of your grandma? Did you, do you know, did you know, David Moses, you'd be sitting here 10 years ago on a Sunday morning and worshiping God and, put, and exalted him in your life? You see, we don't give enough credit that, that the place we're in now, this used to be that. Here used to be there. And, and the important thing I want you to understand that this week, this week of passion and this week of first fruits, you can't have your first fruits until you exit something that was keeping you from it. Hmm. Verse 4. It said, all this was done, why? That it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet saying, tell the daughter of Zion, what, the church, the bride, behold, your king is coming to you. 
They heard this year after year, this scripture being read. Year after year, sometimes week after week, they heard this scripture. To them, it was still just a party. To some people, to the prostitutes who were trying to survive, to the, those impoverished and those who were broken, it was a time maybe to get a little extra money or a little extra food or a little extra time. But to a lot of people, it was just such a time that they save all year to, move, to come there for that time, that week, that celebration. And it was just their SEC tournament or their NCAA championship game or Final Four weekend. It was their time to come in and, and just let it loose. And man, then go back and be normal later. You see, it, that week was something different to everyone. You see, I want to ask you, what's this week to you? Is it just another Sunday and another Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and another Sunday? Or is this time where you're going to set your faith and say, God, this has always, since you instituted back in Exodus 12, this has always been the week of first fruits. My faith is God is going to wake up a passion in your life to hunger and thirst for righteousness, to hunger and thirst for relationship, to hunger and thirst for deliverance and healing and salvation like never before. But not only for yourself, but also for others. Said the king is coming lowly and sitting on a donkey, a coat. The foal of a donkey. Verse 6. So the disciples went and said as Jesus commanded them. And they brought the donkey and the coat and laid their clothes on them and set, set him on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes, their mantles, their cloaks on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees. We say the palm trees, right? And spread them on the road. And when the multitudes went before who went before, and those who follow, followed cried out, saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, son of David. Wait, they were in where? The city of David, Jerusalem, the house or the city of God. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And then it says, and when he had come to, into Jerusalem, all the city was moved. They didn't see it, Mike. They didn't understand it, but they felt something. They didn't know it, but they knew it was something they hadn't felt before. They knew there was a presence. They knew there was a freedom. They knew there was a power, and they didn't know how to get it. They didn't know how to partake of it, but they were around it, and they could sense it. And some of you are in here right now, and you've, you're far away from Christ, or you've never came to Christ, or... or but, but, or maybe you've never been around his presence to a level that you can feel his anointing and know that you know that he's with there in the midst of you in that very moment. And, 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 and you just need right now to, you, you can feel it, you can sense it, but for some reason you can't see it with your own eyes. You can't see yourself in the place of deliverance. You can't see yourself in the place of freedom. You can't see yourself in the place of forgiveness and unconditional love and favor and prosperity and health and salvation. You, you just 
can't see yourself as that guy, as that girl that everything seems to be looking up even when it looks down to other people. You're around it, but you can't see it. And if you can't see it, Jesus said you can't have it because everything that is seen comes from where? The unseen. Because it was not seen first and God spoke in his words and created it. And then the second thing, it, it what? It exited the unseen realm and entered the seen realm. What is it that you need that's unseen to others that you need to exit from? What is it down there that your spouse doesn't know, your kids doesn't know, your parents doesn't know, your friends doesn't know, your preacher doesn't know, your employer doesn't know. What is it in you right now that you need to hang an exit sign on and step out of it? Because you can't step into passion. You, you can't step into salvation. You, you can't step into deliverance. You can't step into freedom and prosperity until you do what? Until you take a step from there to that. See, he's in the room right now. He's here right now. It's not just another holiday. Hmm. So he said, Hosanna, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And the Lord came into Jerusalem. All the city was moved, what? Saying, who is this? It's different. There's something different about this rabbi. There's something different about this teacher. Verse 11, so the multitude said, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. And guess what? Now this prophet is standing on Mount Moriah, riding on a donkey. And he's actually in the Mount of Olives getting ready to exit, and then he'll come back later that day. But when he comes back later in a week, he'll be at the Garden of Gethsemane. And the Gar Garden of Gethsemane is, is, is the foot of the Mount of Olives. And Steph, if I've been there, it's a big grove, huge acres and acres of olive trees up the side of a hill. And down in the bottom is where they had their big oil press, their olive oil press. Actually, the word Gethsemane in the, in the, uh, in the Hebrew is made up of two words, and, and it actually means oil and press, or press to crush. And you all remember the story, right? Of how the night he was betrayed, what? What did he do? He was in the garden and he was praying. Until great, until what, sweat as great drops of blood were coming off his forehead and he got on his disciples and they were asleep and he said, what's wrong? You can't even tarry an hour? You can't even pray an hour? And he goes back to prayer and here he is, he's in his dilemma and he's praying. And, and what does that mean? What does that represent? He was in the place of crushing. He was getting ready to be offered by his father. Ask the anointing for our salvation. 
You see, what they would do is take the olive oil, olives and they would put them on this huge flat rock and they had like this big millstone, like a big huge round stone with wood running through the center and they would roll it. A bunch of people get on each side, they'd roll it back and forth and it would crush the olives and it had a little trough in it and the oil would leak and drip out of those olives down into a container. You see, oil represents the spirit of God in the Bible. It represents joy and healing and it represents the Holy Spirit. But the highest form of representation it has is the anointing, the anointing oil. Because the anointing oil is what was used to anoint kings and priests in the natural. But the anointing oil that came from the will and the life crushed from Messiah was the anointing to break the yoke of the enemy. It was the anointing oil that gave an impartation or a mantle of salvation to all those who left where they were and stepped into where he is. They left their past and stepped into eternity. Where are you today? Oh, I'm, I'm fine, preacher. I'm, what, what about your kids? What about your parents? What about your cousins? What about your work associates? What about your friends? Where are they? You see, next week, I'm going to focus on celebrating Easter and salvation. I'm believing for your friends. I'm believing for those you invite, those you bring, that that is their day of salvation. That is their day that they get introduced to the oil of joy and of healing and the oil of salvation. Whew, man. See, it didn't come without a price. We talk about the cross as horrendous as it was. But I believe, Tony, the greatest battle was really before the cross. The greatest battle was in the Garden of Gethsemane. The greatest battle is when Jesus had to allow Daddy to crush his will. Because he remembered, Father, if I could avoid this anyway, if you could take this cup from me. But he also knew the Father's heart enough, but he said, no matter what, just let it be your will done. Your will be done. What was he doing? It was showing even the Messiah had to stay focused on the relationship and the passion with the Father and eternity or he could easily get off into his own way or his own will. I want to ask you, whose will are you walking in today? You were believing for that career and that job. Has it brought you closer to God or taken you farther away? You were believing for that promotion. Do you serve and give more to the kingdom or less? Are you happier or sadder? Are you healthier or weaker? Remember, it's that. You were praying for that. You sowed and you believed and you cried and you wanted that. And you got that. And now that has become this. And I want to ask you, are you happy with this? Are you pleased with this? This land that you're living in right now. This place that you're in right now. Are you pleased? Now, Either way, you got to realize that if you're happy with where you're at and you play it safe and don't look for the next there, 
there'll be a time you'll be miserable in this. Because God didn't create you to sit still. God didn't create you to not hunger. You see, when, when we go on a fast, you know, it takes me about three days to get over the hump. And when I get over that hump after about three days, give me a little juice, a little water, I'm fine. But boy, that first three days, you don't want to be around me much. Isn't that weird? The more I eat, the hungrier I am. The more I drink, the thirstier I am. We all know, man, you should drink, you know, uh, for every, an ounce of water for every pound you weigh every day. And for me, that'd be a lot of ounces of water. And, and you know what, Tony, I, I, I don't get up thirsty for water. You know what I got to do? I got to take a liter of water and kill about half of it down. And guess what? The rest of the day, I'm thirsty for water. But if I just get the water out and take a few sips here and there, I'm not thirsty. And I'm dehydrated and I'm trying to make myself do something I know is good for me. And it's the same way with eating. The more you eat, the hungrier you get, the sooner you get hungry, right? But the less you eat, the less hunger pains you have. And you can function at a higher level on less. Why? Because that's the way God made you. So if I'm going to be hungry for God, that I got to be hungry for his word. And if I'm going to be hungry for his word, I can't fast his word. If I'm going to be passionate for God, I got to be hungry for his word. If I want to be passionate for his will and his calling, I got to be hungry to spend time with him. Not fast my time from him because I'm so, the B word, busy. I don't have time to pray. I don't have time to serve. I don't have time to give. I don't have time to worship. I don't have time to read. What I want to help you with, you don't own time. Time is a gift he created and gave you because he doesn't live in time. There's no time in heaven. There's no time in God. We can't comprehend it in our finite minds. But in infinity, there is no time. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. There is no time in God. It's a tool he's given us. We have chronos time, where you get chronological time, seconds turned to minutes, minutes to hours, and so on. And then you have charis times or carols times, which are seasons. It's segments within the chronos. Right now, this week is a season to refocus your passion. Not to beat yourself up. I'm not here to beat you up. I'm not here to, and man, if you're in a great place in God, that's great. Look for the next great place. So I'm not talking about locations. I'm talking about relationship. I'm talking about intimacy. Because did you know the more you know someone, the more you what? Know about them. And the more I know about them, the more I know what? Their nature. Their heart. Don't you hate it when people judge you 
because you didn't do something or say something or they assumed you didn't do it or said it and then all of a sudden now they judge your what we call character. What are they really judging? Your nature? Your heart? You're like, that's not me. And you go to someone that knows your heart. Michael, that's not, is that me? No, man, that's not you. I know you. That, I'll tell you why it's not you. And then you feel a little better because you found someone that knows your heart and they could reaffirm your identity and rehearse it to you. And it helps you overcome what the naysayers say. Well, see, that's the same way it is with God. How is God going to reaffirm your heart if you listen more and know the naysayers better than you know the Father? Don't let me get on Facebook. I'm going to just, you're not looking on Facebook to see, you know, what you can do for God. You're on Facebook, why? You're on there to look and see what somebody said about you, good or bad. You're on there to see what somebody said about someone else. You're on there looking at someone's fake life, phony life. Because they're not going to show you the worst time. The ones that do, we let them know. Come on, don't, that's uncool, dude. Don't show us that. That's, that's bad. Or if it's someone, oh, it's just the most beautiful. Oh, we've got to get sunlight right. And we've got to get everything. Can you do this? I gotta, and what are we doing? We're putting on a fake persona to promote a life we might want to have, but we don't really have. And after a while, we get on social media, Twitter, and Snapchat stuff, and we believe our own story. Not the story we're living, but the story we want. See, my goal is that you pursue that that you pursue, pursue a place called there. Not to keep promoting something that's a fantasy or where you're at and the way you could change where I am. See, see God didn't call you to, to renovate your life. He called you to abandon it. You're supposed to be an abandoned building full of the presence of God, not a mansion sitting on a hill where everybody knows it's the Dalton's house. So the Passover was really instituted way back in Exodus 12 when God delivered the children of Israel through Moses out of slavery and bondage. You see, Josh, they couldn't enter into until they exited from. You see, there's things in my life that if I went back to that I previously exited, it would kill me. If not, Stephanie would. Right? Right? See, see, we've exited some things that we don't want to go back into. Yes, yes. But, but what you need to look at is, it's not that where you're at now is bad, but it's time to exit this to get that. The next thing, the next level of intimacy and power and revelation of the arm of the Lord. So let me read a few verses out of Exodus 12, verses 1 through 3. It says, Now Moses... Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be your beginning of months. It will be what? The first month of the year to you. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth of this month. Now this month is the month in the Hebrew calendar of, of Nisan. Now I'm saying Nisan, it might be different, but it's spelled like Nisan. N-I-S-S-A-N is how the English word spells the Hebrew word. That's not the way the Hebrew word 
Every man shall take for himself a lamb according to his house of his father, a lamb for his household. Now, look at this. The first of the year to you, he said. It's the first month. On the 10th of this month, the month of Nisan, which means new beginnings, shall take a lamb for your household. Now, now think about this. That is the same day Palm Sunday to us is. This is the 10th of the month of Nisan today. This is the month that was talked about by God in Exodus that the Passover was getting ready to happen. And, and what did he do? He prepared the children of Israel so they could survive. By what? Putting the blood of a sacrificial lamb over their doorpost, over their home. Now, what we call Palm Sunday is, is today is this, this passion, this time. Each year, the, the winter, according to the Hebrew calendar, each year the winter ends with the coming of the Hebrew month of Nisan. So they, God set it up to where the seasons, the way it would flow in the east there, the way it flows in the east is that when it would come into Nisan, the month of new beginnings, it meant the month of winter was gone. I want to ask you, how do you like winter? Winter in your marriage, winter in your relationships, winter in your finances, winter in your health, winter in your passion. The Hebrew word satav means this for winter. The word for winter in Hebrew means the season of hiding or the time of darkness. That's why this week is a week of new beginnings. The celebration when Jesus was weeping in Luke's gospel, when he was weeping over Jerusalem and the people of Jerusalem is because he knew they would not see that he was there and their winter was ending and they could come into the spring of a new life, of a new beginning, of a new eternity, a new purpose, a new presence, a new authority to receive his inheritance, to be in his kingdom. Shh, but they couldn't see it because they didn't know him. They knew of him. Oh, that's the prophet from Nazareth. But they didn't know him. The winter season is the season of what? Of darkness, of barrenness, of death. It's when the leaves die and the flowers die and everything's gray and gloomy and all of those things and empty. But the sacred month, the Hebrew month of Nisan is when everything begins new. I'm, I'm wrapping up here, but this. Nisan is what? The month of redemption. God planned it out and brought his son into Jerusalem on the day that the month of redemption started, he brought him in. And that's why Jesus knew, go over here so-and-so and get the donkey. They'll have it for you if they don't tell them this. It was a plan. So when the Messiah comes, what was it? It must be a new beginning. It had to be a Nissan. It had to be a winter season ending. I know when I gave my life to the Lord, like January well, I was partying New Year's Eve, so it was January 1st on Sunday night. I gave my life to the Lord, and then I was baptized in a freezing cold creek 
on January 21st. But see, to me, I didn't even feel the water. I felt, later on, I felt sorry for my pastor, Art Hobbs, and his, his deacon that had to walk out into that cold creek up to about right here while people stood around the side in their coats freezing and me and my little sister Marcia and some others were getting baptized and she was a young girl then that's before she'd backslidden and then she came back to the Lord but 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 we're standing there freezing they're freezing man I'm like kind of like so excited and I'm thinking ooh I bet this would be cold and I got in and felt nothing I was like ooh man this is awesome and man when they took me under I just ooh, I come, yeah I didn't feel anything except passion and life and enthusiasm. What had happened, see, see, they already ended their winter season, Mark. But I had just entered mine. It's, you come out of the cold and you're like, oh God, oh God, warm me up, give me a round of heat, give me a round of heat. And then after a while, you're like, oh, I feel better, I feel better. You leave Lexington in February and you go to the Bahamas or to Florida or somewhere in the Caribbean. As soon as you get off the plane, you're like, Woo, where's the shorts, man? You'll freeze in your shorts and all that short pants and stuff just to get there, right? So you're not burning up when you get there. So you can spend the day in the sun. And what it is, the new beginning is the day of the S-O-N. Not the S-U-N. It's the new beginnings. Coming out of the season of winter. You see, as we get ready to pray, The Passover, actually the day that Christ was crucified is on the Friday, the 15th. So if I got into the Hebrew calendar with you, their times is not like starting at our times in a 24-hour period. It'd be kind of like our Friday and part of our Saturday. But to them in that 24-hour period, it, was, it would be, to, uh, it'd be Friday. And the 10th of Nisan was the day the lamb, listen now, the 10th of Nisan was the day the land to be sacrificed was selected. And at the same time, get this, at the same time, because this was their Passover feast, at the same time they were out there celebrating Jesus, they didn't realize that he was already chosen by God. And even though they're taking a natural lamb home to celebrate Passover, the feast of Passover, they still were living with their natural things, taking their natural lamb home to have their big Thanksgiving party when the lamb of eternal life was available. When the lamb of holiness and power forevermore was saying, here I am. But they couldn't see. They couldn't see. I want to ask you, can you see? Or do you see your mistakes or you see your sickness or your sin or your failures or even your good stuff? Can you see? Because this was the day known for the Lamb's choosing. That it was taken, that it was identified to be brought to the people's homes. That's what Psalm, that's what Matthew 21, 9, I just read you, was all about the bringing in of the Messiah to the city of the Palms and Hosannas. What was it? It was the fulfillment. When Jesus came down the street on the donkey, 
It was the fulfillment of the Lamb of God ready to be offered up as a sacrifice for the salvation of people. So I'm going to ask you, where are you at in your life right now? What season are you in? You see, when you're bringing home the Lamb of God, you don't really bring Him home unless you select Him. You've got to choose. You have a free will. And once you select Him and choose Him, it's not real unless you bring the Lamb to where you really live, your real address, your tabernacle, your dwelling place, your real home. You see, it doesn't work if you just say the words and you don't mean it because you didn't invite him in to the crevices of your heart, to the closet or the bedroom of your heart. You might have him out front where everybody can see him, but is he in your heart? You might wear a cross and you might show up to church occasionally, but is he in the bedroom of your heart? Is he in the crevices of your heart? Is he in those dark places where there's no light? Is he in those dark places where... The, the, heat, the climate's not controlled. Is he in those secret places where no one can see but you and God? Where is he? Where is he? This is a week of new beginnings. You're coming into the week of first fruits, man. Be early. Bring some people with you. Ask some serving teams if they got enough to serve and help them serve. It's not your day. It's not the preacher boy's day. This is the lamb's day. The sacrificial lamb that was slain for the testimony of the saints. It's his day. And it should be the day that we as the body of Christ bring more people to him than ever 